You're listening to a podcast produced by the Design Institute of Australia, supported by Laminex. The DIA is the peak industry body for professional designers, representing Australian designers locally and internationally. We exist to help Australia's professional designers succeed in business and enjoy their working lives by collectively growing Australia's reputation as a design nation. Welcome to our podcast. The DIA National Office is on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge their ownership of the land and pay respects to their elders past, present and future. Hi, I'm Renee Ballard and on behalf of the DIA, this podcast is in support of the DIA NADOC Week Forum, Macro Micro, Craft Culture, Loci, Local. The forum is a discussion of the importance of craft within Indigenous culture and the worldwide return to the relevance of craft post-COVID. An exploration of how this worldwide cultural shift might align to a deeper understanding and appreciation of Indigenous craft and how this might inform a future Australian design direction. I'd like to introduce our guest today, Tom Mosby. Tom Mosby is a Torres Strait Islander and is Chief Executive Officer of the Koori Heritage Trust, Melbourne. Beginning his career as an art conservator with the Art Gallery of Western Australia and later with the National Gallery of Victoria, in 1998, Tom curated the highly acclaimed Alain Passon, This Is Our Way, Australia's first major survey of Torres Strait Islander art. Practising as a lawyer for 10 years, including senior associate roles in Melbourne and Brisbane, Tom returned to the cultural sector in 2009 as executive manager, Indigenous research and projects with the State Library of Queensland. At the State Library, Tom was instrumental in developing the Torres Strait Project, a cross-art form collaboration between Queensland's key cultural agencies, as well as the Indigenous Black and Right, writing fellowships and editing internships. Tom is current chair of the board of directors of the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair and past acting chair of Bangara Dance Theatre. Welcome to our podcast, Tom. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, so we wanted to talk to you. You're participating in the November 9th forum um, with the DIA NADOC Week event. And before that goes, that actually happens, it'd be great to talk to you on some questions around the micro-macro craft culture loci locale. So I'm going to dive into the questions. First off, we'd love to know, how do you see your approach connecting to culture and community? Um, look, I think in terms of... Maybe just, I mean, you've done a fantastic uh, job just then in terms of my background and my bio, but maybe a bit more in terms of my cultural background. So I was born up in the Torres Strait on Thursday Island, which is the main um, uh, commercial centre, if I can use that term. It's actually a tiny island um, and... I suppose using the term commercial centre is stretching that term quite a bit. Um, But I was born on Thursday Island. My um, family and parents were from the Outer Islands. And so every um, holidays, we would actually go to the Outer Islands. Thursday Island at the time, we had electricity, running water, all of that. But going to to visit family on the Outer Islands, there was no electricity, no running water. It was basically, especially during the dry season, we'd have to go to the well, local well, to collect water. In my, as I was sort of growing up, um, originally we were still using um, pressure lamps and hurricane lamps to light housing. So when the sun went down as kids, we'd all have to actually help to light the lamps. 
generators that then came in and so people had generators, but it would only be turned on at night um, and turned off in my case. My grandfather would turn it off um, early morning just to get us up so that we'd um, go to um, early morning mass. Um, so it was a very sort of cultural, traditional upbringing that I um, came from up in the Torres Strait, and that's really informed how I approach a lot of the work that I now do as a professional. So when I was working as an art restorer, when I was working um, uh, as a lawyer, and now um, as CEO of the Koori Heritage Trust, that very strong cultural tradition um, really helps. Um, and also um, informs how I actually approach the work that I do. And so when I talk about the Koori Heritage Trust in terms of, obviously, I'm not from here, and so I acknowledge the traditional owners of land here in Melbourne as well, being a visitor to this land, but I would like to think my cultural upbringing and sensitivity to culture informs how I actually work with the local community here in Melbourne, but also in regional Victoria as well. I hope that actually answers the question that um, it was a bit long-winded. It's perfection. I'm so enjoying it. I am um, a little bit enjoyed it so much that I forgot about the questions. <laughs> I lent in. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um, thank you. Um, how do you see this worldwide shift in appreciation of craft developing within Australia? Um, look, it's an interesting, maybe as a more general response to start, I mean, it's an interesting term using, uh, it's interesting using the term craft. Um, because craft in people's minds sort of denotes um, something different from, because you talk about fine arts, you talk about design, and you talk about craft, and craft seems to be a bit more sort of community, um, traditional, and I would like to actually think that craft can fall into the different categories. Craft can actually be design. Craft mm -hmm. can also be um, fine art. Um, but when I, if we're talking about craft, I suppose I think there's a real, what I've picked up personally, there's a real um, shift in focus and appreciation of this thing we call craft, um, the appreciation, and craft in the context of design. So it's the appreciation of furniture and furniture design. It's the appreciation of um jewellery and jewellery design and when as an example we talk about jewellery as craft up in the Torres Strait women actually make um, beautiful beads um, and technically you would call it craft but that's been picked up by the National Gallery of Victoria and they've actually been working with um, artists up in the Torres Strait to actually turn um, their jewellery practice into a more design context. And so it's an interesting sort of crossover that people are now seeing in terms of what we would traditionally call craft, um, now moving into that sort of design space as well. You also see it in, in terms of textile art. Um, I mean, that's a new thing. I mean, it's always been there, but the um, uh, the rise and the profile of um, textile art, embroidery, contemporary artists working with fibre and working with thread, where traditionally it would be classified as craft, is now moving into that fine art context. And so I think for me, in a sense, what I'm actually seeing, um, when you ask me about the uh, shift in appreciation of craft, what I'm actually seeing is a shift in the appreciation of craft within that broader sort of design fine art context. 
Oh, I totally agree. I think craft is having the bumpiest. Craft is what it is because to me, craft is the created. And then thereafter, everybody, uh, it, it goes, it takes its own path, whether we like it's a lot like art. It takes its own path, whether we like it or not. It gets created and thereafter, it's everyone else's business. It's uh, craft is a hot, it's, it's, it's a hot potato, I think. It is a hot potato. And, I mean, one of the things looking at um, Victoria as well, we have a fantastic collection at the Koori Heritage Trust of feather flowers. Now, the feather flower tradition comes out of the mission um, days when women um, living on missions here in Victoria um, created this beautiful, uh, the use of fla- um, feathers to create beautiful flowers. And so you, we now have this amazing collection of feather flowers um, coming out of that sort of craft tradition. Um, But what I'm really wanting to do is to actually place it into that more fine art context. And I know um, at the National Gallery of Victoria, they're really sort of picking up on this um, tradition of feather flower craft um, and looking at turning, well, not even looking at turning it into, but taking it into that fine art context and working with um, artists to develop um, an installation around this. And you also see it as well, I mean, just in terms of traditional feather craft coming from the Northern Territory that's been collected by um, the National Gallery of Gallery Victoria, um, the Australian um, National Gallery, Queensland Art Gallery. Um, so you have this sort of um, transition of craft into fine art. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. I'm so off-piste, but I think it's a great point about the National Gallery reframing it, galleries reframing it, because traditionally craft, they put eight pieces in one glass box and by default that denotes it as not as, you know, you would never put eight Picassos in one box. Mm. Mm. So I think just even the delineation of letting it be its own standalone object allows everyone to give it more reverence that it deserves because there's nothing, in my personal opinion, there's nothing more exquisite than something crafted by hand. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And what I'm seeing as well, and this is my personal opinion, I mean, the National Gallery has an amazing glass collection Um, from the 17th century, 18th century. Um, But for some reason, sort of contemporary glass isn't... Personally, I see it, um, it's being contextualised not as art and it isn't really sort of being collected in that sense. Um, And I think it's because it's sort of, it doesn't fall into the fine arts. I don't know if I'm making sense, but glass in particular I'm actually seeing uh, where in the past it was very much part of an art movement. Um, it's become more craft and I think um, it may change. The trend will change and it move back into that sort of fine art movement. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so spot on. My background is photography yeah. and photography faces the exact same problem of is it art, is it, uh, is it just documenting? Um, you know, and secretly, uh, as long as people are looking, I don't really mind. But uh, yeah, I think the, I think it, I think we're overdue for the rev, rev, uh, reverence around. Yeah. yeah, and I think it is really about trends. I mean, um, the trend that we're seeing at the moment in terms of craft and design and fine art, I mean, who knows where they'll lead in 10, 20 years' time. Maybe it will go back to a complete sort of distinction between what is craft compared to what is a fine art. Fine artwork, yeah. Absolutely. 
So another theme that we have, actually speaking of craft, is craft and culture. Um, and, and, you know, we've already covered some of the tension around craft and where it's placed and, and how we're viewing it, feeling and seeing it. Um, how do you see the Indigenous craft and design developing in the future? And then on the back of that, will this be an evolution of existing techniques or do you see the future involving new ways to further the culture of the verbal narrative? Look, I actually, I do see um, very much, if, if we're talking Indigenous, Indigenous craft really being picked up by galleries, so being taken into a fine art context. And it's being done in a way where galleries are working, like I mentioned previously, the National Gallery, they went up into the Torres Strait and they worked with craft craftspeople up there. And Simon Leamon, um, I don't know if you know Simon, who's the design curator at the National Gallery of Victoria, worked with um, a particular group of artists in one of the eastern islands, Murray, um, and they developed a um, bamboo furniture collection that then was acquired by the National Gallery of Victoria and it's, um, part of it has gone into the collection, but it was very much about taking traditional techniques refining them and I use the term refining in inverted commas because it sort of denotes a sense that um, it wasn't refined previously but working with traditional techniques and taking it into a different realm creating much more fine art piece if I can say that one of so another example is if you're looking at jewelry um, like I mentioned previously up in the Torres Strait, we do fantastic um, traditional beading using fishing line and just glass beads. And But some of the uh, material used aren't the best. And so you, you also have beading used for um, earrings, um, but the, uh, the clasp that's used isn't really the best and the technique isn't the best. So Simone at the National Gallery of Victoria have, has worked with um, jewellers up in the Torres Strait in terms of technique. Um, and it's a tech, it's giving them sort of advice on how they can actually use better material to ensure that the product that they produce has much more longer um, shelf life, longevity, that it doesn't, you wear it once or twice and because you've used um, inferior glue, for example, it breaks down. Um, so what I'm seeing is external sort of um, artists, um, curators working with traditional um, craftspeople, um, traditional artists, refining the techniques and producing a much more museum quality piece, if I can use that term as well. I'm sort of I'm throwing around a lot of terms that are quite loaded in meaning, is, and I'm very conscious of that. Oh, you're amongst friends because I'm I'm the same, and because I, you know, I'm a talker, and so I'm I, hard not to get the multi layers of the meanings going, and then you can't unring the bell, and it's a bit of a dance. But um, yeah, I got I totally get what you're, you're saying. Um, so our third theme is loci and local, and currently there's a groundswell of interest in Indigenous craft, and within this is an understanding and appreciation of storytelling and connection to land. How do you see this emergence weaving into contemporary Australian culture? I think what I'm actually seeing is in terms of um, it's not just storytelling and connection to land, it's also about contemporary 
values and contemporary way of how we actually, and when I say how we, um, I'm talking about Indigenous um, people and Indigenous artists and craftspeople, how they perceive um, what is happening around um, them. Um, and using craft to actually tell that story, I think is quite, and being able to tell that story in a way that resonates with the viewer, I think it's quite an interesting, um, it's an interesting uh, development. One of the recent exhibitions that we've actually done at the Koori Heritage Trust was with an artist called um, Kate James. And what she did was repurpose, um, you know, those 70s sort of really kitsch Indigenous tea towels, um, repurposing them by stitching over them political slogans, um, uh, social media, popular um, media representation, like I think one of them had Humphrey B. Bear or The Simpsons. So it's repurposing and reclaiming what was originally a very kitsch representation of what is Aboriginal Australia, reclaiming that by actually using her, the material that she uses to actually make a contemporary political statement about where Aboriginal people and Indigenous people are at today in relation to a range of topics like land rights, mining, even things like Black Lives Matter, all of those sort of contemporary um, debate that's happening, being repurposed by artists using sort of traditional material um, and traditional sort of craft. I think that's an interesting um, development and it's a interesting way of um, bringing that sort of storytelling and political messaging across to a contemporary audience. Yeah, I, I did see, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I saw, um, I did see that exhibition online and it was so arresting. I was at just, and you know, that um, I don't know what I don't know. And then when it was presented like that, I only had to see, you know, just even seeing that first tea towel and don't dry your dishes with my culture. Mm. I don't even know if it was a directive saying don't, but well, maybe it was, but I, that's how I read it and that's how I felt it. And it was so poignant. I thought she nailed it. I felt that right in my guts. Yeah. And another very interesting artist that does a lot of that work is um He's originally from Queensland. He now lives in Sydney, and I think he actually sits on the board of the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's an Indigenous artist called Tony Albert, and he actually um, repurposes, um, you know, all of the very kitsch um, Aboriginal sort of plates, tea towels, imagery from the 1950s, 1960s, um, and he repurposes them into a politically into a political statement through installation, whether it's an installation or whether it's using it within the art. But it's reclaiming that um, sort of uh, imagery that 1950s Australia had of Aboriginal people, but putting it into a contemporary context to make a contemporary statement. So it's quite an interesting. It's very interesting that sort of um, development by. Uh, what I would actually call uh, visual, contemporary visual artists, but using a sort of craft medium to portray or uh, convey um, a statement. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? it it's um, the labelling is much more difficult than the actual output. That Yeah, I get what you mean with the labelling, with the crafting or um, repurposing political messaging. When they all merge together, it's the alchemy is the piece at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So how do you see this connection between an ancient craft and this current cultural shift away from excess consumption and the reckoning of a sustainable future where we might choose to have only what we need? Look, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't really see that. Mm -hmm. I actually, what I'm seeing is um, you have traditional um, craft and traditional techniques, um, and I think the cultural shift is more... Um, it's really around um, craftspeople being recognised as artists and designers. Um, so even when we look at, um, there's that design prize, again, at the National Gallery of Victoria, and if I can recall correctly, last year you had, um, I think it was an international um, Italian design company, I believe, that worked with a um, traditional Indigenous group up in the Northern Territory to design this amazing um, range of uh, household sort of um, lamp fittings, light fittings. Um, so it was really bringing that um, traditional techniques, traditional techniques of weaving, traditional um, aesthetics into a very contemporary design space. That's what I'm actually seeing in terms of that sort of, um, when you look at ancient or um, I, I, I suppose I don't like the term ancient craft. I, that would talk more about that sort of traditional craft um, and it's a shift more towards a new way of actually working um, and a new way of thinking in terms of how you actually produce um, a particular work and also seeing that um, a remote community whether it's up in the Torres Strait or up in um, up in the Northern Territory can actually work with an international design firm and all of a sudden um, these remote communities are actually on a global um, stage. Um, and for them, it is really about, and which is fantastic, there's commercial outcome for, for them through that recognition. Hope that answers the question. I mean, shifting a bit away from what you were asking. Oh, I, I thought it was um, absolutely a perfect answer. And really insightful as well. So thank you, Tom, for taking the time to speak to us today. It was wonderful to hear from you and we look forward to seeing you on November the 9th. It's my pleasure and thank you very much, Renee. Thank you for listening to this podcast made possible by the support of Laminex, Australia's leading supplier of modern laminates, quality engineered stone, timber panelling and more. The Design Institute of Australia would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are gathered and all First Nations people on the land now known as Australia. The DIA respectfully recognises Elders past, present and emerging. We celebrate the innovation, creativity and ingenuity of the world's oldest continuing creative culture.